this episode of 92i Talks, Craig Ferguson, the Emmy Award-winning actor, comedian, and former host of The Late Late Show, sits down with Kathy Lee Gifford to discuss his new book, Riding the Elephant, a memoir of altercations, humiliations, hallucinations, and observations. The conversation was recorded on May 7th, 2019, in front of a live audience at New York's 92nd Street Y. Hello. Uh, you brought out course, my book, not We're yours. here to talk about <laughs> The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. <laughs> Kathy Lee's journey to the heart of spiritual faith and the land where it all began. Yes, thank now, you Kathy. for that. No, wait, sir. I'm well. in Japan. I. You, they got Greg, us grapes. Isn't that great? Great. You are famously vegan. Well, everybody grapes are knows, pretty vegan, Kathy. You know. Everybody knows I love my grapes. Yes. So I brought my grapes, and I brought these grapes on my plate from my house for you. Oh, that's are these actually they're 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 Gifford grapes. They're Gifford grapes. Oh, okay. They are delicious. So cheers to mm. you, my darling friend. Cheers. <laughs> Tastes like Emmys. <laughs> Every time they're backstage talking about how I won an Emmy, tell them what you go. You go. Every time they were talking about her Emmys, I said to her, daytime. <laughs> <laughs> so I wore my Game of Thrones outfit. Yeah, it's very it good, actually. <laughs> All righty, so um, we're here to talk about your book, and I don't know why. Do we that. really have to talk about it? Yes, because... because it's out, and we want you to make the New York Times bestseller list because you deserve to. How, have any of you had a chance to read this yet, or you just here because you, yeah, you have? Or... I, oh, I know, but sometimes p important people get galleys. Yeah. <laughs> what Kathy's trying to get to is that she read the galleys some time ago and she's forgotten what the book is about. <laughs> that is kind of true. It was about four well, months. a little bit. It was a couple of months ago. A I said it months. to you. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's um, it's typical you. It's it's very honest. It's very it's very funny. It's very poignant, and and you learn something that surprises you. Uh, as you come away from it. And I think that so many people know you as a talk show host. You start the book talking about that. Yeah, about being a talk show host. Because Which you never thought any, you never thought of yourself that way. I still don't, really. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really think of myself as a talk show host. I, when I think about myself at all, it's probably unhealthy. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I, I, think, I think when... When I spend a lot of time thinking about me, and you know people in show business, that's popular as a, <laughs> as a pastime. If I think about myself too much, it, it goes south pretty fast. Um, but I, I, I think, I, I didn't think I would be a talk show host. Um, but I was, apparently. Um, and you were not great at it, no, by your no, own admission was, at the I beginning. I was not great at it. You were trying to follow the The whole path. way through, I think. No, 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 that's not true. You're genius moments. I never watched, but I heard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you learned what <laughs> Welcome to this evening's Game of Thrones event. <laughs> you learned what did not work for you. The well, paradigm didn't work for you. Well, the same, the same as it is for you. I mean, look, I, I watched you and Regis. I listened to Howard Stern as another one. Uh, to a certain extent, Dave as well. The people who uh, owned their own uh, persona on television. There was... It was a, it's a very fearless way to broadcast, and I, and I don't know how wise it would be to broadcast like that right now. I think you did right to get out when you did. Both, um, both times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that it, it's... Uh, so it, it, it's, uh, it's something that I, I only studied once I was kind of offered the job, uh, and I kind of found my way through it. Um, but yeah. I never had any great reverence for it. I still don't. And it was 10 years. Mm. That is a long time to just... 
not love what you're doing. Oh no, I did love it. I, I did love it. I just didn't uh, worship it. I, but I did love it. I, you I, shouldn't I had a really it. good. I had a really good time doing it. I'm very proud of that show, and I'm very glad I did it. But um, but I'm I'm glad I'm. Look, I went diving with sharks once. I loved it, but I don't have to do it again. Yeah, yeah. you know what that's like. Yeah, I, I've done it. It was great. Tell everybody a little bit about um, uh, your your growing up days. Uh, you grew up in a t uh, tough neighborhood. Well, it was, but even in the uh, even as I've been on this tour talking about the book, I you know I, people because everyone likes a hard luck story and like tell us about your hard scrabble days digging for bones in Scotland and stuff, <laughs> and, and I think. Well, it, maybe it was just my perception of it, because it was pretty tough. I remember it being a little tough. But then, in the book, which you remember, Kathy Lee. I actually did read I every word no. of it. I had a conversation with you guys. Uh, I'm sure many of you read Angela's Ashes, uh, Frank McCourt's fantastic yes. book about uh, his, his early life. In, and a, and a really good movie, too. Yeah, yeah. And, I met uh, Frank at a book event, not dissimilar to this, uh, years and years ago. I mean, he's passed on now, but he was telling me that when he got the key to the city of Dublin for writing that book, right. he said there were two groups of people outside the town hall. One was a group of people saying, well done, Frank, oh, good for you, That's, uh, well done. And another group of people just as big shouting, wasn't like that at all, you lying bastard. You know. And, <laughs> And he said they were probably both right. You know, it was, it's, uh, it's how you remember things isn't necessarily journalistic accuracy. And, I, and I, tr I try to be honest with that in the book. This is honestly how I remember it. But I don't know if that's enough to get it through a court of law, you know. Well, you've also been very, very honest through the years about your, your battles with addictions. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm surprised from some of the ways you describe what you lived through, that you remember any of it at all. I mean, it's like there, there people say, if you, if you can remember the 60s, you didn't live them, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I, I can remember the 60s better than the 80s, because <laughs> born you were a wee boy. I was a wee boy in the 60s, yeah. I, I think that I do remember it. I, I, I do remember the, the difficulty of, uh, of active drink and alcoholism, and I, I am quite open about it because I don't see it as I think to particularly addiction has a sort of uh, it has a kind of delicious element of shame for the media sometimes of like oh and so you nearly died of addiction <laughs> I go yes I fucking did <laughs> and, and and I uh, we can swear here can't we oh yes yeah. I'm I'm about to break out a few all right okay <laughs> that'll make the news so uh, <laughs> so I um. So I think that I, I wanted to, for me, as much as for anyone else who may uh, receive any benefit from it, demystify it, de desentimentalize it, if that even makes sense. The, the idea of, of making it less of a TV movie and more of a kind of disaster film, that um, <laughs> it has... Um, James Joyce used to say that sentimentality, we don't know, he, he used to say, he probably said it once and then wrote it down and that's all the time he said it, but he said... <laughs> he quite enjoyed that. That, that. that made me laugh inside. <laughs> I, I, I went, that was very good, Craig. And you got in James Joyce as well. Yeah. Because everybody here has also not read Ulysses. So... <laughs> you're amongst friends, everybody. But I... Um, he said sentimentality was unearned emotion. And I think sometimes in the discussion, the public discussion of addiction, 
uh, I feel sometimes it's a little frothy and uh, sentimental. And uh, whilst that's the understandable... The also. Yeah, a little. And I, and I think that there's a very uh, clear uh, way out of addiction if you're in it. And, I, and without breaking the traditions of any organisation I may or may not be part of, I feel that... It, it, it's it's very simple. Go go there, do what they say, and you, you'll be free. You know, it, it, there's a way out. And I think sometimes it's like, oh, that that might not work. It, it'll work if, if you, you do, do it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it's in in Christian scripture that that whole thing of you know faith without works is dead. It, it, or another way of putting it is, it's an old joke I heard about a priest and a rabbi going to a boxing match. I love it. All right. So already I got I knew I got it with priest and rabbi. She's like, yes. <laughs> Tell me more, I'm a woman of faith. So, there's a priest and a rabbi go to a boxing match, and before the fight, one of the boxers crosses himself. And the rabbi says to the priest, what does that mean? And the priest says, if he can't fight, fuck all. Do you there see what you I mean? Go. Yeah. And, and I think that's what it is. You, you've got to be able to do the thing. I mean, it's nice, but you've got to be able to do it. You know what I love when a lot of my Jewish friends, and I've got a lot of Jewish heritage, my father is Jewish, when, when my, my Jewish friends say something and they go, and they knock on wood. Do you know where that comes from? Uh, I've got a feeling that probably it's from Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> is it from Jesus? We've had conversations like this before. <laughs> yes, it's, that's where it came, that's the origin of it. Knocking on the cross, I put my faith in the cross of Christ, the oh, wooden cross. Oh, right. I love to tell my Jewish friends that. They go, ah! <laughs> so anyway. I thought you were Jewish. Well, I, I, you're, you have Jewish blood, of course I right, do. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I didn't know you weren't completely Jewish. I'm afraid I have to leave. <laughs> so, what do you want to talk about tonight? Because there's some. Tell us about riding the elephant, because that's that's an actual story. This, the the book is called Riding the Elephant because it it begins with a story called Riding the Elephant. It is about a journey I took to Sri Lanka, of all places. Uh, with a girlfriend. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know, it was before we met. Uh, <laughs> it was 30 years ago. Uh, and I, uh, I went to Sri Lanka, and uh, I, was, I wasn't having a very good time on this holiday, and I went on an elephant ride um, with a local gent who was offering elephant rides around the, the neighborhood. And uh, on that elephant ride, I got to talking to the, the elephant's um, handler, I guess. And, um, agent. Agent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was, uh, he, we got talking and he said, would you like to come and see my village? And so I said, sure, why not? And uh, this is offensive to you, this story? <laughs> this is the one? There's much worse to come. You could be. He doesn't do anything weird to the elephant. Yeah. Well, uh, well, that's, well, yeah, uh, well, yeah, she's right to leave. No, no, I think she's, she's <laughs> gone to the bathroom. Yeah. I'm oh, surprised. She While she's in the bathroom, we should all hide. I <laughs> 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 uh, made myself laugh there. Uh, have a grape. You earned it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Uh. <laughs> so in the book... Um, Riding the elephant available now. Uh, <laughs> I go on this elephant ride with this gent, and he takes me to his village. And he was a Hindu, this gentleman. And um, his, uh, his, I think it was his grandfather had just died, so they were having the funeral. And in uh, Hindu tradition, I think I don't know much about Hindu tradition, so please don't be offended if you are Hindu or if I'm getting this wrong. But certainly, 
my memory of it is that he said, would you like to come and see my grandfather? He's, he's just died. I was like, <laughs> um, OK. Um, <laughs> I'd never seen it, and so on that elephant ride. When I, in Sri Lanka. Well, yeah, yeah. So I went to the, uh, uh, and I went to look, and the, the old gentleman was laid out, and uh, and this uh, bed, there was muslin and uh, tusks and stuff around. It was a very uh, kind of eerie scene. Uh, very, but everyone was quite upbeat because uh, he had been very ill for a long time and had suffered a bit, and. Uh, and he had been finally released from his suffering, and he was very, very old. And, and anyway, it's, he was moving on to the next incarnation. Now, again, I don't know much about it. So uh, everyone was quite kind of upbeat. And uh, it was the first time I'd seen a dead body uh, ever in my life. And, and it, it had a very kind of weird and profound effect on me. Not so much at the time. And I think that's what the book... If there is a, a, a kind of theme in the book, it's not so much about... The events themselves, the events do happen, but more about the lens through which these events are now meaningful to me through the perception of, of time. Mm -hmm. That time alters uh, things I immeasurably. For example, this is not in the book, but it's a true thing. Oh, you're back. Anyway, <laughs> so the elephant's buttered up. <laughs> I went too far. I knew I was going to go too far. I'm so sorry that the elephant wasn't buttered up. Uh, Not yet. And also, and I'm vegan. So the, uh, <laughs> but I think we were talking uh. about the lens of the time, how time is, uh, <laughs> and, and I think that time is very useful. One of the few advantages of aging, and, and there aren't that many, but there, one, of the, <laughs> one of them is the, that time removes a great deal of toxic and deadly shame. And I think shame and embarrassment are, are very difficult. For, certainly for me, I, I, I'll give you for example. When I was 29 years old, I got sober. Uh, and when I got sober, I used to, when I was a child, uh, I should add, when I was a child, I, I used to wet the bed. I was a bed wetter as a child. I'm not trying to pick anyone up here. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I was a bed wetter as a child. Then I stopped when I was about 13, 12, 13 years old. And then I started drinking when I was about 15 years old, took up wetting the bed again uh, intermittently, uh, and then got sober when I was 29 and stopped wetting the bed almost on the same day. To be honest, it was the same day. <laughs> and what a thrill for you. No, no. I mean it, to not, to not have to I'm deal with that you, anymore. If it, if, it, if it was just not waking up in your own pee, it would be, <laughs> I'd be ahead of the game. There you go. But when I was... But when I was newly sober, or when I was in that period of my life, I would have, I swear to God, I would have died rather than tell you that about myself. Mm. It was so crushingly embarrassing, such an embarrassing, I had such power over me that I would be such a pathetic figure. And now, uh, as you know, I'm 57 years old and mortality, you know, is much more real than it was then, it, certainly chronologically it feels, I don't care. <laughs> and I think to be released from that kind of feeling about yourself, mm -hmm. I, I think, is, is, is very liberating. So I wanted to do some things like that for my own benefit, of course, and for anyone else who may read it. Really, that, that's... So if the book has any uh, altruistic um, intentions, and it has some. I mean, let's be honest, you don't get rich from writing books. But, uh, I, I don't believe. I mean, some people do. If there's a wizard in it or something. 
They get very rich yeah, yeah. on wizards. Actually, there's a wizard in this book. <laughs> you just have to be very clever to see him. Uh, but the, um, but I, 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 I do, I do want to, you know, you do feel that I've learned this. If this is of any use, please take it. Yeah. I think that's what surprised me the most when I really got to know you when we got this, but just what a beautifully tender person you are. No, Stop always. it. Let me finish. Okay. There is a this goodness. This is very uncomfortable. <laughs> Good. Look at me. Okay. Look at me. Yes. There is a goodness to you that is, um, uh, beautiful to beautiful to see, and a, and a kindness. Mm. You treated every single person on that set. We had 175 people on our set. Bless you. Bless you. See how kind he is. <laughs> and he was truly, truly worried about your urinary tract infection when you were gone. I was. He was. I've Am so I been there. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny how you can shame someone to, for going to the bathroom, which, let's be honest, we've all kind of been there. <laughs> And yeah, it's, it's such an odd thing. Humans are so odd, aren't they? We, like... I, I find us fascinating. Yes, yeah. so do I. But I mean, if you only know somebody, I think this is true of it. If people say, oh, I know you, I've been watching you for, you know, 40 years on television. And I, I, I kind of laugh inside because it's like, you know what? If you only know me from what you've seen on television, mm. you know 5% of me. Mm. 5%, maybe. Mm. And that's what I loved about getting to know, if you only know you from your comedy, or from your uh, hosting, we don't we don't know one another, do we? We don't know one another until we invest our lives into each other's lives. Yeah, I think it takes it takes time. I think with writing, though, and and I do mean this uh, both, uh, you know, in the writing that I've read of yours too, is that writing is an intimate form of communication, which is not it's not as possible. It's one on one, really. I mean, I know it's kind of one way in the sense that I, you know. I write, you read, so that's that's kind of a one-way street. But uh, but not really, because you interpret what you read. What on earth are you doing? Now what? Now there's someone has another issue. Yeah. Wow. Are you? Is this bathroom waiting list cards? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I just These are, I just want to get my name down. These are the penetrating questions that people want to ask you at the end of our hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but the. I, uh, I, what the hell was I talking about? Uh, How you are, it's a one-way street, basically. You yes, are, yes. But it's intimate, and I think that's what it is. And I think that, you know, it's intimate and timeless. Like, uh, because I've been on, you know, a little publicity tour for the book, someone asked me, and I, I can't remember who, but someone asked me, what do you want for the book? I said, I don't want anything for the book. The book's done. I'm fulfilling a moral and legal duty to the book by letting you know it's here, but... Um, <laughs> But the book is done. I, I can't change it. If you don't like it, uh, okay. You uh -huh. wouldn't change it, though. No, I don't think so. But that's now. I mean, I've only just finished it. it, it ask me in 10 years, I'll be like, oh, I can't believe I wrote that in a book. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I have that now. Like, I look at other books that I have written, and, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would put that in now. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think that you change. But, but a book, I think, is... is it's an interesting form of communication because it's not just me to you right now, in this evening, in this night, in this moment, we discuss. It, it's not just that. It's, I, I throw a stick into the future. And 
And, and everyone who writes anything, you throw a stick into the future and you have that power. So if you, you know, it wasn't published, it was, like Marcus Aurelius, who is a writer that I read a, a great deal of, he doesn't even write it for anyone to read. You know. He probably didn't think that anybody would. Oh, he was the emperor. He could have made them read it, but... They couldn't read! Well, there is that. He could have taught them to read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Uh, but I think that it is... It, I feel like with writing, in, in, it is different from any other form of artistic endeavor because if you write what you believe to be the correct words and you put them in the correct order, it is then bulletproof to any form of criticism because I, don't, I genuinely don't... And I don't mean this in a rude way or an arrogant way, but I genuinely don't care. Yeah. You know, I, I'm free from... When I was a young man, I didn't feel that way. When you right. would read certain things in reviews and stuff, were they just scathing? Would they, they affect... Could, yeah, didn't you... Were they always oh. nice about you in the press? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's I think it's been fabulous to me. But I think that... I think that what you have to do, or what one has to do, is to not read any of it. I used to only read the good stuff. Like, I would have people vet it and go, just give me stuff that says nice things about me. But I think that's just as bad for you, actually. Maybe worse. Mm. Uh, so just don't read it. I don't, like, I, I don't have a Twitter account. If you're following me on Twitter, by the way, you follow Tomas, who works with me. <laughs> it's not me. So if it sometimes looks like, wow, Craig's really talking like he's an immigrant from the Czech Republic. <laughs> He is. <laughs> that's because that's who you're talking. To. Um, <clears throat> I, and I, I just I can't do that. I, I don't. I don't. I, I don't yeah, you know. don't play the games. You you. I, I tried. And I, you know I what? Really I tried. I know you did. And and I. So did I in my own way. We all try to. We sure. We come. We're learning. We're we're learning the ropes. And then you realize what doesn't work and what sucks your very soul out of you, and that's non-negotiable. And it sort of came to that for you. I think as to a certain extent, yes. I, I, it sounds a little... I feel like I may project a sort of arrogance with that, and I don't mean it like no, you that. Don't. I, I honestly don't... Sometimes I think... And this happens if, for example, you'd make a dietary choice. You, have, you are a woman of faith, so you, you will have encountered this. If you make a stance for something you believe in, for example, I do not eat animals. I don't eat them or anything that squirts out of them. That's my thing. Uh, this, is, this is not me planting a flag and saying, you must all follow me now right. and agree with me. If you agree with me, great. If you don't agree with me, okay. I'm not telling you how to live. I think every time you explain something about yourself, I think sometimes it's seen as a challenge or a call to arms. Yeah. And, and, and it's neither. It's just a piece of information. Sometimes it's a call to arms, sometimes it's a challenge, but, but maybe if you phrase it like that, then, then that's what it is. If, you just, if someone asks you a question, like whenever I say I'm vegan, somebody will say, where'd you get your protein? I'm like, you don't, you're not a fucking doctor, first of all. <laughs> the people always say, where'd you get your protein? I'm like, oh, where does a fucking cow get its protein from? What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Everybody's like, everyone's an expert on protein all of that. <laughs> I need my protein. You, no, you don't. Uh, you don't need as much as you're getting, perhaps. I don't know. I'm, I'm clearly, I am not, you know, suffering for lack of food. So I don't know. I'm getting plenty of protein, is what I'm saying. Don't worry about me. What, what's missing in your life, if anything? I would, I could love, I could sit and talk with him for ten hours. We only have 
like half an hour left. I want to. What's the most important thing in your life right now? Family, without a doubt. Um, hands down. Uh, my my uh, my wife and children are uh, the length and breadth of my riches. There is nothing else. Um, the it took me a long time to understand that. I know. Um, that. You know, it's, it's very Wizard of Oz, very, oh, it was here all along, Dorothy. Oh, it was, you know, love is the answer. But it kind of is. And I'm frustrated that I'd been hearing that for so long and, and couldn't hear it. But, but it is the truth. Um, I, I wanted things for so long, you know, uh, kudos and, and money, I'm afraid. To, I'm ashamed to say it. But, yes, money and... and, and and f fame and s success and, and things and uh, approval and yeah and and uh, all of these things are great um, <laughs> but they're not there's not enough protein in them for me <laughs> um, so th that that's really what I, that's where I get my protein uh, and and that that's what it feels like to me now it, it, it's a but it's an it's life is evolving it is in session it is moving it is it is, uh, it is complex and it is fluid and it is fast. Uh, my oh, God, yes. is it fast. Well, you've got an older son uh, and you've got your new, he's eight now, right? Yeah, that's, that's not that new, I guess, anymore. It's, uh, no, but I mean, there's, there's one's 18 and one's eight? Yes, it's, uh, there's a 10-year You told gap. me that you have an ejaculation once every 10 years. Every 10 years, yes. <laughs> I, um, you know like these big orchids in the jungle? <laughs> That's what Scottish people are like. They just. <laughs> if I go off tonight, the first two rows are going to get pregnant. So, <laughs> so maybe you made the right choice. <laughs> oh, that kills me. Yeah. I set you up for that one today. Um, there's a line in our movie where uh, my character says um, she's a widow and she's congrat congratulating another character on, be on getting married. And your character's trying to get me to talk about what I'm doing, about how I'm getting over my grief. And I go, no, 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 no. She's happy. She's, this is a happy time for her. And then the line was, I remember happy. You think it's never going to end. Mm. And you told me at that time that that hits you like a... Yes, it's, it's very, I mean, it's, well, it's disturbing uh, because, of course, everything is in flux at all times. But I think that the counterweight to that is something that I think we are, uh, as a society, perhaps, and I don't speak for anyone but myself, but I observe I'm part of the universe, uh, I think we're having a little difficulty being here, now, mm -hmm. this moment, us, this room, this, this experience now. It's helped a great deal, I think, you've noticed by the fact that everyone's phone got put away. So we're not working to record ourselves in a flattering light to put on a uh, piece of internet technology so that we can imagine what other people think when they see it which seems a complex way to live your life. I think that I, I think the counterweight to the terror of happiness ending is enjoyment of the moment and, and living life each fucking millisecond it arrives because otherwise you'd go crazy. I, or, or 
I'd go crazy <laughs> if, I, if I couldn't live in, in this moment. And so as much as is possible for me, I try and live inside, not just a day at a time in that way that everybody understands for alcoholics, but actually as a, as a, as a, as a philosophy, as a, as, a, as a way of moving through this veil. Why Scotland? Why'd you move home? It's where I'm from. And, uh, you didn't I, intend to, though. I did not intend to move back to Scotland, but what happened was, well, I noticed a couple of things. I went back for a couple... I used to always think, when I was growing up there, that Scotland was a dark, miserable place full of angry, unpleasant people. And then I realized it's not at all. It's just when I lived there, I, I was a dark, miserable person <laughs> full of angry, unpleasant emotions. And they are lovely. And, and I started to notice that. Mm. And also, I lived in California, in Los Angeles in particular, through four years of a drought. And I never want to see... I, I just... Every, it rains so much in Scotland. And when I see it every day, I'm like, bring it on. <laughs> Because I, I hated that drought. I hated yeah. it. I, I just hate it. I, I don't know if any of you have lived through that. Anyone's been through a drought. It, it's very odd. It, I think Death some Valley. people do. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. It, it, things sound different. Uh, it, 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 the light changes, it seems. Things get sharp and, and brittle. And, I, I, and I know there's plenty of places in America you can go to where it rains. But I, I thought, nah, I, I kind of want to go back to Scotland. And I'm still an American. Trust me, if you don't believe me, ask the IRS. But the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, and, and I, I'm here all the time. I'm, I, you you yeah. know this, I'm back forward all the time. But I, you know, I'm there for now. I don't know where that will go. You bought this beautiful, beautiful home, this ancient home from, what, is 1682? Is that the year? 1681. You know nothing about me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this, this, it's, I love it that you said it's the first non-fortified. It's, it a, was, it's a home yeah. of peace to you. Yeah, it is. It was, it, symbolically for me, it has significance in the sense it was the first non-fortified uh, uh, country house in Scotland, which means it, it wasn't built as a castle. It was never a prison or a military installation. or a, it's, a, it's a home, and it was one of the, the earliest large homes built uh, in 1681. Shortly afterwards, the first of the Jacobite Wars started. <laughs> and, uh, the, but you, the, uh, the idea was that it was a house of uh, enlightenment, and I like that. One of the reasons I wanted to write uh, the, the movie with you, it's called Then Came You, and we hope it'll be out soon. But uh, we have our doubts. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, that's the hardest part of things sometimes, is finding the right baby, you know, place to put your baby. And, but anyway, I was start talking about this. I don't know. I, don't I know. think, why don't we put the baby into a little basket and sail it down the Down the, the Nile. Nile. There you go. Down the Nile. Uh, that's I'm trying work. to remember what I wanted to talk to you about, about with that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay. No. So, so what would you say, what could somebody offer you at this point in your life that, um, that you would leave Scotland, leave Megan and the kids? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I mean, really, is there anything that is like a life dream for well, you? Leave Megan and the kids? Not, not permanently. All I just, right, mean, all yeah. Right. I mean, you hate it when you go on the road. Yeah. You, lo you love. I like performing. You like. I, I, yes. I do like performing. I get a lot of 
uh, like even now, as we sit here and we, we do this, I, I, I enjoy this. I, I, I like this. I like this feeling. Um, I, but the travel gets to me a bit. Yeah. I'm getting a little tired of that, you know. Um, you know, I, it's like, oh, God, again, you know. And it's, it's just because I'm, yeah, I think I'm getting old. My hip hurts and my skin's dry and <laughs> young people annoy me and stuff like that. <laughs> Especially yet, young comedians. I don't know where that's coming from at all. And yet it was Megan, his, oh, his wife is so beautiful. And you she's guys a have, fairly attractive person, She's an true. extreme, she's beautiful, and they have such a, it's fun to watch you guys uh, just. Can you clarify about watching us? <laughs> I was their weekend guest uh, during our shoot. Yeah, that's right. And, she watched us. And she made haggis bolognese for us. And you invited a bunch of friends. And I yeah, saw we had what you people around, yeah. Yeah, some wonderful, eclectic group of people. And it was alive and it was crackling. And it was. Yeah. And, and it's very different from your LA parties, you know. I, do you think parties in Los Angeles, and perhaps New York has difficulty with this too, although less so, but do you think parties in LA are really parties? No, because you know what the difference was? Yeah. Those people were your friends. You yeah. had your friends over to your home. Yeah, they, they were, were also pretty much half in the bag most of the time. Uh, <laughs> um, I think people in L.A. are careful at parties. I think they're... Really? Yeah, I think they're about work parties. Yeah, that's LA. what I mean. They're, it's like, yeah, who do you know? Yeah, and they're kind of like looking... Like, if you look over the shoulder of my house, all you're going to see is a dog somewhere, you know? It's a lot of dogs. And your cat. And the cat. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the cat. I'm not saying I'm cruel to it or anything. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, look, if I had to pick a favorite, it wouldn't be the cat, is what I'm saying. What's weird is the cat really likes me. I know that. The cat, the the cat, cat comes and sits on me. I'm like, I don't care for this. I don't like you or what you're doing. <laughs> and the cat's like, no. Oh, I love that you're a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, um, you know, it's, uh, I know. It's, so there's so, there's nothing that, because when we were doing certain scenes, yeah. I had no, I knew he'd be a comedic genius in this. I knew he would. It was Megan who read, that's what it was, I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Megan read the script first. And she said to you, Craig, you've got to do this movie because Kathy, she gets you. She has got you down. And then you came and had your way with the script, which was fine. I always like to have a little bit of creative input in what's going on. <laughs> and he did. He made it so much better in so many different ways. But there, is, there are a couple of scenes where I, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm working with Cary Grant. Or, oh, my gosh, I'm working with John. I, I, I cannot tell you how, what a brilliant, um, d d uh, dramatic actor you are. I mean, everybody knows you as funny, but you're such a good actor. So what you're saying is... Everybody thinks you're funny, but you're actually better if you stop being funny. No. <laughs> you can't stop being funny anymore that you can stop breathing. Yeah. In I... fact, I, that's what I said to you in my last text. He does, he, he does, when, I, when I text him, if there, it's like months between, until I get an answer. And I go, okay, he's in Scotland. He doesn't look. So I, I texted him about a month ago. And what did I say to you? Did you die? <laughs> <laughs> then a couple weeks later, what did I text you? I guess you died. <laughs> He's alive and well, look! Well, yeah. it, it's, it's a funny thing because <laughs> I, what I take great comfort in... Oh, somebody's arrived. Yes? 
Thank you so much. Um, no. You're going to have to spell my name right or we're not going to answer your question. No, I'm just kidding. Is that questions from... Yeah, is it time? You want to take some questions, everybody? Sure. Is that what you'd like to do? Yeah. What would you say? Finish your I thought. I, I was actually going to say what I take great comfort from, and I, I, I've said this many times before, but it's worth repeating for me, um, is that Kathy and I, our friendship is something that if you take it on surface value, should not be. We disagree in many things. Um, quite, you know, adamantly. Mostly your socks. The dress sense. I've I got to be honest, I've been on the road for about a month, and this is the best I could do this evening. I, I mean no disrespect, but I, I get it, please. Um, but uh, our friendship is, is very real, and, um, and I think that it, it, I, I love the fact that we disagree, and yet we're friends. And I think that there is, if we have anything to offer the world, is the idea that you can do that, um, that you can not think the same way as another person thinks and still both respect them and actually feel affection for them. It's okay. You don't, everyone doesn't have to agree. The world yeah. would be a much yeah. better place. Yeah. All right. Uh, no, we don't know. Someone's asked, when can we see the movie? Honestly, making it was a joy. Getting it done was a, a dream. Finding the right place to take your movie and make sure it's taken care of is the hardest part. So we're in the process of that. All right, here you go. If you could play anyone on Doctor Who, who would it be? That's from Bridget. Bridget. She the Hello there. Hi. Hi. Do you, are you a fan of Doctor Who? Yes, I am. I would never have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who is a British... I know. Uh, ..kids sci-fi. Huge, huge, huge Very shit. big cult following. Uh, and I'm, I'm very fond of the show. I, um... I don't need to uh, play anyone in Doctor Who. I, I quite happily just be an audience member. But if it was anything, maybe... Uh, Made a crack at the master, maybe at some point. Yeah. You should. Than, you should. All right. You don't even know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. <laughs> if he's the master, you should be doing it. This is what I'm saying. Oh yeah. You're one of those people that would say, "Who plays Doctor Who?" Well, he's not called Doctor Who. He's just the Doctor. Am I right? Right. And now it's a woman. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I I get out on. Ladies occasion. can be doctors too. You yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Are you and Christian Bell had a wonderful. Um, something. Um, oh, Joie de Vivre. Any chance you two will team up again for a project over my dead body? <laughs> she's a lovely woman and she's a friend of mine. Uh, yes, life is full of surprises. Why not? Can you give us your take on Sean Connery's acting? <laughs> <laughs> It's a style of acting which is sadly no longer in vogue. <laughs> I particularly enjoy the sheen and I think it's Goldfinger when he wears a little toweling shirt of onesie. <laughs> which is what I'm wearing under my clothes right now. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a fan of Sean Connery. Sean Connery's acting. That's a proper movie star right there. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, anybody you watch on late night now that they want to know that you particularly I'm enjoy? I'm in Scotland, so, yeah. you know... Uh, I don't... I don't think I, mostly. There was, no t there was no television on the whole weekend. I can remember. I don't really, I don't really watch it. And 
Yeah. And and little Liam is, is is like he's like Stewie on Family Guy. Yeah, a little bit. He's yeah. so much. Yeah, he is a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he does an impression of him as well. Does yeah, he? Yeah, it's kind of uncanny. Yeah. If he uh, wanted to go into the business, his dad's business, what would you say? So you can wait until you get done with college. Okay. Uh, and then you can get to it. You know, people always say when their kids act, oh, they like, they, they love it. That's why they act. I go, you know, my kid was eat, would eat candy all day as well. He'd love that, but I'm not going to let him do it. Um, I, 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 you know, it's, it's good for some people, but not for my kids. <laughs> okay. Craig, have you ever gone back to check out the East Village since you left? Yeah, yeah, I have. When I lived in the East Village in, in 1984, and I think it was like a couple of years ago, I went back down to the Venero's Bakery, which makes these amazing cannolis. It's the yeah. corner of uh, First Avenue and, no, is it Second and 11th? No, First and 11th. Uh, it's an amazing Italian bakery. And then I walked down to Tompkins Square Park, where in 1984 you could get, you know, heroin or killed very quickly. And, <laughs> in Tompkins Square Park. And there were people there with dogs and children uh, in little uh, wheeled devices and, and hipsters with creative beards and people uh, milling around like it was some kind of weird Renfrayer of the future. It, it, it's changed a lot, and for the better, I think, to be honest. It was a dangerous, frightening place when I lived there. And now I think it's overpriced real estate like everything else in Manhattan, and that's fine. But you still love New York? Oh, yeah, yeah, who doesn't? Yes, of course. Okay. I think, like, like most people, once you live in New York for any length of time, no matter how much you go away, you always kind of think, you have a vague notion, there's something happening in New York, and I should probably get back there. Mm. You know, that kind of, there's a party I'm going on. Something. Yeah, I'm kind of missing something. If your life was going to be made into a movie, which <laughs> actress, actor would you want to play you? Would you want an actress to play you? I feel like this is a trap. <laughs> <laughs> and I declined to answer the question. Uh, I feel that was a trap. Okay, yeah. moving on then. Yeah. That was from Jessica, by the way. Jessica, uh, I would like Jessica to play me in. Okay. Well, that was really, that was the extent of their probing questions yeah. tonight. Well, let me ask you, who would you want to play you in a movie about you? Uh, um, Sandra Bullock. It's not bad. I would, I would have, for me, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> that is an amazing... Pre See, you know what I think is amazing about him as an actor? Is you forget. Mm. You forget, and it's all about what he's doing. And he makes you forget. And I think when I see actors that do that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot he was acting. Ah, All right, I'm going to change it to Tilda Swinton. <laughs> All right, I'm going to change mine <laughs> to Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Good choice. Um, I think so. I mean, the, really, if you want to just name great actors, we can go on all night. They, uh, what, what is your favorite um, chapter in the book? Which story get, brought you the most joy telling to everybody? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. There's... I mean, I assume most of you have not read the book yet. Um, but there is a, a story in the book that I will explain to you. In the course of my life, at one point, I, uh, I was around uh, some, uh, an, an old woman who died anonymously in a building across the street. 
and uh, it's documented in the story. I was about 18 years old at the time, and I was playing in a punk rock band. And we were all in one house, and we saw this old lady. We were actually watching uh, Diana's wedding to Prince Charles at mm -hmm. the time. And we saw this uh, old lady being taken out of her house. She had died uh, the night previously and been taken away. And we all talked about it. We were young and uh, artists, apparently. And uh, we were like, oh, we're going to write a song about the juxtaposition of this old lady and this great uh, royal wedding and this poor old woman and stuff. And, but none of us wrote a song or never uh, did anything about it. So when I was writing about that, I thought, oh. So at the end of the book, I wrote a completely fictional story about that woman's life. I took her from her birth, that I imagined, and took her all the way to her death that night in the street. And which surprised me when I, I wrote the story is at the end of the story, as she dies, she sees me in the street where I was. I really was there that night. But what happens in the story is that she sees me and in the at the time, I didn't see her, but I see her now. And that, uh, in, in the writing of a, of a piece of work, which was, I thought, a fictional, you know, kind of swish at the end of the, of the book, it became, I think, a marriage of, for me, imagination and memory. And... Uh, how they're almost indistinguishable and that the extraordinary power of, of the mind to create a perceived truth uh, for myself. I don't know. And now I think that story is true. I made it up. I know I made it up. But it but, makes you happy to think But it. now it's true because I fucking made it up and it's my book. <laughs> Anybody have second thoughts and want to ask something? Anybody have second thoughts about coming here tonight? And <laughs> anybody uh, wish they'd got to see Jill Biden instead of coming up here? I mean, let's live a little. You're with Craig Ferguson. Yes, ma'am, right there. Are you in touch at all with, uh, I think, Josh, who played Jeff who played Jeff Peterson? I am, yes. Josh is still my friend who played Jeff Peterson. And, and Josh is uh, busy with other uh, stuff on his own, but he's an extremely talented... Josh Robert Thompson, you're talking about, is an extremely talented voice actor who was the, the guy behind the robot skeleton in Late Night. Oh, yes, uh, yes, yes. And, uh, which is an immensely, uh, annoyingly successful sidekick that, <laughs> that I had when I was doing that. But that was all about Josh and his talent. I mean, he's a, an amazing guy. Right, was there some important thing you learned as a result of your years on Late Night? What would be the single most important thing you learned? I don't know. It's very hard to say. Again, it was an hour a day, but it was 10 years of my life. So um, in that 10 years, did I learn anything? Absolutely. What was the most important thing? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I really couldn't say. I, uh, I'm, I'm not a huge disciple of Freud. I appreciate his talent. But the idea of this kind of, uh, there is an identifiable moment that explains other moments. I don't know if I subscribe to that. I think it's about, when I used to swear or, or say rude things on late night, CBS would say, it's not that one thing, it's just the tonnage, it's the amount of things. And they used to, they used to say the word tonnage. And I think that's, 
They're weight shaming you. Yeah, they yeah. weight shamed you. They were you. weight shaming me, and <clears throat> and I think that um, I think that that's what uh, that's how information comes to me. It's through insistent. Ton it's the tonnage of information that steers you, not one kind of like big aha moment. I mean, no disrespect to the Norwegian post-punk band. <laughs> I uh, just you know. <laughs> That made me and I think two other people laugh. I, I liked it. What kind of music do you guys listen to when just just at home? Because your your musical taste has changed. Yeah, I think so. I listen. I find myself listening to a lot of early choral music by Hildegard von Bingen at the moment. Do you know who that is? Love him. Her. Uh, <laughs> she's a fascinating individual, actually. Uh, uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing, I'm sure one or two of you will know who I'm talking about. Am I pronouncing it properly, Hildegard von Bingen, or, or is that how you say it? Because I've only ever read it that, uh, read it. She, uh, she was an abbess in the 13th century and wrote choral music. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's incandescent. And uh, she, uh, she was an extremely interesting character. A real, uh, there's a real movie to be made there, I'm sure. I mean, if you, you know, you'd have to put an alien in or something, but... Uh, <laughs> But a fascinating, a fascinating woman, a, an amazing character. Very strong, I would imagine. All right, let's go through your family in this last few moments. And, and when I say their name, give me one, the first thing that comes to your mind. Your son, your older son, Milo. Artist. Your youngest son, Liam. Poet. Your beautiful wife, Megan. Authority. <laughs> And I actually mean that. Uh, there, there is some, some, you know what I mean? It's, oh, like, yes. It's important. Yeah. No, you, that's right. You, you watched us. <laughs> <laughs> I love this man so much. This has been my great joy to uh, be able to get, did you feel like you got to know him a little bit better tonight? That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Such an odd thing to do to applaud a question, isn't it? When you think about it, really. It's like, if you did that individually, people would think you were insane. <laughs> like, would you like a cup of coffee? <laughs> well, what, is that, what does that mean? Do you want a cup of coffee? Is <laughs> that fucking yes or no? You're going to love his book. It's called Riding the Elephant. It is... Uh, Quintessential Craig Ferguson. Uh, it's about as perfect as you can get a book, I think. I loved it. I love you, my friend. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. 92i Talks is supported by a generous endowment established by Daphne Reconati Kaplan and Thomas S. Kaplan. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and find more great conversations at 92yondemand.org.